Would you open God's precious holy word to Numbers chapters 16 and 17? This is the second part of a message on authority. Israel's questioning authority. The first had to do with how they questioned the authority of the word of God. Tonight it deals with uh, how they question God's servants, namely Moses and Aaron. So let's, uh, let's get right into it and let's see, first of all, what's at stake here. Uh, as we read, it's going to be a lengthy passage. I'll read a lot of it and make a comment here and there. But it's a great lesson for all of us. According to the sons of Izzar, the son of Izhar, the son of Kohat, the son of Levi took himself to one side, along with Dathan, well, Dathan and Abarim, sons of Eliab, and on the son of Peleth, descendants of Reuben. They confronted Moses together with 250 men from the children of Israel, chieftains of the congregation, representatives of the assembly, men of repute. So the fact that there's 250 out of a couple of million or so is to be understood against the reality that they are representatives, chieftains of the congregation. So therefore, it would seem, these so-called men of repute, it would seem then that they would bear a great deal of weight uh, within the congregation and at least make it seem like they are representative of the congregation. Through my many years in ministry, one phrase would come up on a regular basis that I learned to just discount. When someone would come to me and say, quote, a lot of people, close quote. I learned a couple of years into ministry to ask them to name a few of those people. And the answer was varied. You know, I'm not going to do it. I would, I would breach a, a confidentiality and all that kind of bull. So, you know, you don't know how seriously to take people. Uh, when they come here, I don't know. Moses has already had <laughs> so much trouble. Uh, remember now, these are the people who said, nope, ain't going. As far as we go, let's turn around and they wander for 40 years. So he is confronted by these leaders up here. Uh, and then these representatives, this assembly of representatives, and verse 3, they, they assembled themselves against Moses and Aaron and said to them, you take too much upon yourselves for the entire congregation are all holy and Yahweh is in their midst. So why do you raise yourselves above Yahweh's assembly? Now there are a lot of errors in the premise. Let's look at them. First of all, 
Moses and Aaron didn't ask for the job. It was, they were called into the work. And, and Yahweh made it clear. And not only that, but he made it impossible for them to say no. Therefore, they're in leadership because they have been called and placed into that leadership by Yahweh. Now, it has already been shown throughout the studies of uh, this era, post-slavery, pre-Canaan era, uh, and you find it in, we've seen it in Exodus, a little bit in Leviticus, and we, of course, Numbers is replete with the problem. You take too much upon yourselves. Moses has, you know, we've read the, the, the account, we've read the record Moses did not dream up anything for these people to do. He would go to Yahweh. Yahweh would tell him, this is what the people are to do. And Moses would go back to the people. He hasn't taken anything upon himself. Uh, nor uh, at this point, at this point in time, nor has, uh, nor has Aaron, because Aaron is pretty much straightened out right now at this point. And, and does according to the direction of Moses and does a work that Moses does not do. But they are seen in the highest positions of leadership. So it's not true. You take too much upon yourselves. They have not arrogated themselves to this position, nor have they doled out personally invented instructions. They haven't done it. As a matter of fact, if you carefully examine what has been said, especially in Leviticus and in the first part of Numbers, how everything was uh, organized and so forth, uh, it couldn't be. And the great care and, and detail that was taken when you go back and look at Leviticus and you go back and look at Exodus, the details of the tabernacle, uh, the commandments, the ordinances, the rituals, all of these things. Those things, those things are divine. They couldn't be man-made. Um, man doesn't view his sin the way that God does. Only God would have implemented and instructed regarding these things about sacrifices and altars and all of that kind of stuff. Uh, and I can tell you this, Moses and Aaron, well, Moses, we'll leave it in Moses' hands, when the instructions were given to make the tabernacle, Moses couldn't have known all of the details of, of uh, the measurements and the, the uh, materials that are to be used. Uh, this, you know, he had grown up pretty much in a royal court, and then for years he was a commander of a mighty army, and then he was just a shepherd out in the desert, uh, and he didn't care anything for the finer things of life. And, you know, he, he's, he's like, if you brought me a pattern and told me, I want this kind of material and I want that kind of material and I want you to sew it like that, I wouldn't know what to do with that. 
Moses, you can't think that Moses could have known everything across the board and would have brought these instructions himself. So the first part of the premise is wrong, that they took anything upon themselves. Then the entire congregation are all holy. Well, that's sort of true, but there is a mixed multitude within the congregation and we've studied about these people and many of those of the mixed multitude have been revealed to have been not holy. So they're not really part of the congregation. So the second part of the premise is false. And Yahweh is in their midst. Yahweh is in the midst of the congregation because Yahweh has settled a physical appearance into the tabernacle, which Yahweh, through the instruction of Moses, has placed in the middle of the people. So it's a little deceiving the way it's put here that Yahweh is in their midst. By design, Yahweh is shown as having his appearance as he sees fit. And in this case, of course, in the middle of the tribes, but, but not settled down in the middle of the various congregations themselves. He is in the middle of the whole thing in the tabernacle. And then the final premise here that's wrong is, so why do you raise yourselves above Yahweh's assembly? Of the two to three million people who were gathered there, including these people who have come to confront Moses. The humblest of all of them was Moses. He didn't want it. He didn't feel like he was qualified for it. He couldn't understand to begin with how in the world it was him out in the middle of nowhere who was called to do a particular work you and I have the pleasure of being able to look back on the record of the Word of God and consider the life of Moses, even from the time he was floating on the river in the, and got caught in the bulrushes. We, we have the pleasure of seeing how God prepared him for so long for the special work that he did. And God could not have used a man of pride or arrogance. Moses had had left and fled from the court, the royal court of Egypt and had gone to live with nomadic people to disappear, not to be, not wanting to be seen or known by anyone. 40 years would seem like was enough to, that a whole generation would have died out and maybe nobody would recognize him now in their travels, but he had no design or intent or desire to go back to Egypt. It was God who unctioned him to do so. He did not raise himself above the assembly of Yahweh. It was by the call of God and the empowerment of God that Moses was in the position of leadership that he was in. 
Nobody really, nobody else was as, Moses would not, Moses would have denied it. But really, nobody was as qualified as Moses was to lead these people. And it really has been shown up to this. We don't know exactly chronologically when this happened. It's obviously somewhere between having left Egypt and before going into Canaan and after having rejected the initial entry into Canaan. But how far into that is hard to know. But it doesn't really matter because they're going to murmur and complain. It doesn't matter when it is. It's going to happen. Now, none of these, none of these elements of the premise that is made by these people are true. And the argument is, that they make is, is obviously an argument that cannot stand because it has no foundation in what they say. Moses heard and fell on his face. Now, if he had been the kind of guy that they said he was, he probably would have looked around for a spear and a sword and, and some stuff like that and gone after the leaders of this whole body. He didn't do that. The humble man Moses fell on his face. He didn't want the job. He... He, he takes the job and to the best of his ability fulfills the obligations and responsibilities of the work to which he has been called. And he doesn't go any farther than that. That's what he does. That's all he does. And of course that was enough to try to keep this many people going in the same direction and to keep them alive and to keep them watered and fed and to keep them clothed and to keep them happy. He spoke to Korah and all of his company saying in the morning, Yahweh will make known who he is and who is holy and he will draw them near to him and the one he chooses, he will draw near to him. Moses is willing to let, I mean, Moses knows I've only done this thing step by step according to the command and direction of Yahweh. So Moses probably felt, this is the gospel according to Charles, you tell you to leave it. He probably felt, you know, if Yahweh wants to choose somebody else, my feelings ain't going to be hurt. That's, that's the way I, you know, he fell on his face. That's kind of the way I, I see the man, Moses. But Dathan was not willing to initially make the challenge. Dathan didn't step forward and say, I tell you what, we're going to do something and put it before uh, Yahweh and Yahweh will show us which one, of, which one of us needs to be the leader. He didn't do it. Moses did though. Moses has confidence. He's not afraid because he knows Yahweh. And he knows what Yahweh has called him to do. Do this, Korah and his company. Take for yourselves censers. Place fire into them, put incense upon them before Yahweh tomorrow. And the man whom Yahweh chooses, he is the Holy One. You have taken too much upon yourselves, sons of Levi. 
So for the most part, the Levites are the ones giving him the trouble at this point in time. I'm sure they felt empowered to a degree because they worked very hard at what they did. Setting up the tabernacle, taking it back down. Once it was set up, people were bringing their offerings. People wanting to attend to dealing with sin and and making sure that Yahweh was pleased and all these things. And so they would have gotten to know the people on a very personal basis because there was a bunch of them. There was a whole bunch of Levites. There's only one Moses. So the Levites, being close to the people, I'm sure felt somewhat empowered because what they were doing was an important thing, namely making, making, uh, bringing sacrifices to the altar, assisting worshipers uh, to set the fire and to make the sacrifice before Yahweh. And they were all designated types of sacrifices. I'm sure they felt very important. But they weren't so important that they could step forward and object to the work of Moses. They had just said to Moses earlier, you take too much upon yourself. He says to them, it's the other way around, guys. You've taken too much upon yourselves, sons of Levi, Levi. And so Moses rebukes them. Moses said to Korah, please listen, sons of Levi. It is not enough that the God of Israel has distinguished you from the congregation of Israel to draw you near to him, to perform the service in, as, in the priesthood of Yahweh and to stand before the congregation. He's talking to the Levites. To stand before the congregation to minister to them is this not enough? He drew you near and all of your brothers, the sons of Levi, with you. And now you seek the Kahuna as well. You seek more than what you were called to do. He drew you near and all your brothers. God done it, has done it in your lives. Are you... Are you Stepping out and moving forward beyond the call of God in your lives. Therefore, you and your entire company assemble against Yahweh. For what is Aaron that you should complain against him? What you got against Aaron? He's the chief priest. So Moses then is defied. They, they won't reason with Moses. Moses sent to call Dathan and Abiram the sons of Eliab, and they said, we will not go up. Not going to go to him. They think they have the upper hand. Is it not enough that you've brought us out of a land flowing with milk and honey to kill us in the desert? That you should also exercise authority over us. I've been to Egypt. In this time in history, it's believed by the archaeological evidence and so forth that an immediate area that only went so far on either side of the Nile was plush. The Nile would flood from time to time and those places that were flooded once the flood had receded would be plush. 
But overall, Egypt is not a land flowing with milk and honey. So they're, they're, they're really laying it on here with another lie. You've taken us out of a land flowing with milk and honey. Now the 12 spies, they saw a land flowing with milk and honey. You've taken out milk and honey. They make it sound like they were in paradise. These guys were slaves. They were making brick. They were building stuff. They had nasty work to do. They were forced from the time they got out of bed until they collapsed in the evening to do stuff that the Egyptians, their taskmasters, made them do. And that to them, you've taken us out of a land flowing with milk and honey to kill us in the desert. Moses is not going to be the one who will kill them in the desert. That's already been made clear. Yahweh has declared, except for Joshua and Caleb, except for those two of the 12, the rest of this generation, what, 20 years and upward? will die in the desert. They killed themselves. Now this was the direct word from Yahweh. So they're defying that. They're still defying the word of God and more or less calling God a liar and saying that Moses is the one who took them out of this wonderful rich life in Egypt and will kill them. He's brought them out to kill them in the desert. Is it not enough that you've brought us out of a land flowing with milk and honey to kill us in the desert that you should also exercise authority over us? You've not even brought us to a land flowing with milk and honey. And that's not true. He brought them to the brink of it. They refused to go into it until they heard a report about it. And the report came back that it was exactly as Yahweh had described it. And still... They refused to enter this land because they had no faith in God. But they, they say to Moses, you haven't even brought us to a land of flowing with milk and honey. You haven't given us an inheritance of fields and vineyards. Even if you gouge out the eyes of all those men, we will not go up. Now they are, in, they are implying that Moses has stolen their inheritance. Moses was exceedingly distressed and he said to Yahweh, do not accept their offering. I have not taken a donkey from a single one of them. And I have not harmed a single one of them. I haven't threatened to gouge out their eyes. I haven't gouged out anybody's eyes. I haven't tormented or tortured anybody. I haven't stolen inheritance. I haven't even taken a donkey from anybody. Don't accept their offering. Now that was a serious thing. If you're a sinner... And you need to make these sacrifices and offerings, especially as designated on the designated days. And Yahweh says, you may not sacrifice to me. That's a bad, that's a bad situation to be in. Moses says, don't accept a single offering from me. Kind of out of character for Moses, isn't it? So there's a showdown. It's high noon. Moses said to Korah, you and your entire congregation should be before Yahweh, you, they, and Aaron tomorrow. Let each man take his censer and place incense upon it 
and let each man present his censer before Yahweh. There will thus be 250 censers, and let you and Aaron each take his censer. So each man took his censer, and they put fire upon it, and placed incense upon it, and they stood at the entrance to the tent of meeting with Moses and Aaron. So here they are, all 250, and they got their censers to meet with Moses and Aaron at the tabernacle. Korah assembled all the congregation against them at the entrance to the tent of meeting. So here's all these people opposing Moses and Aaron. And here are Moses and Aaron at the tabernacle. And the glory of Yahweh appeared before the entire congregation. Yahweh spoke to Moses and Aaron saying, disassociate yourselves from this congregation. This is, ah, I misspelled it. And I will consume them in an instant. Stand back away from them, and I'm going to consume the whole bunch. They fell on their faces and said, God, the God of spirits of all flesh, if one man sins, shall you be angry with the whole congregation? There's some misunderstanding here. Surely they're not all at that level of evil. Yahweh spoke to Moses saying, speak to the congregation saying, withdraw from the dwelling of Korah, Dathan, and Abiram. And God sent the punishment. Moses arose, went to Dathan and Abiram, and the elders of Israel followed him. He spoke to the congregation saying, please get away from the tents of these wicked men and do not touch anything of theirs lest you perish because of all of their sins. <laughs> so, so they withdrew from around the dwelling of Korah, Dathan, and Abiram. And Dathan and Abiram went out standing upright at the entrance of the tents together with their wives, children, and infants. So two million people back off, leaving this small crowd of rebels and their families. Moses said with this, you shall know that Yahweh sent me to do all these deeds for I did not devise them myself. If these men die as all men die and the fate of all men be visited upon them, then Yahweh has not sent me. If they just go on and live until they die naturally. But if Yahweh creates a creation and the earth opens its mouth. If, in other words, if it's a Hebraism. If God does something unusual and the earth opens its mouth and swallows them and all that is theirs and they descend alive into the grave, you will know that these men have provoked Yahweh. As soon as he finished speaking all these words, the earth beneath them, them split open. The earth beneath them opened its mouth, swallowed them, their houses, and all the men who were with Korah and all their property. They and all they possessed descended alive into the grave. The earth covered them up and they were lost to the assembly. Instead of the Red Sea, it's the red earth 
that parts brings them down just they collapse into the grave and look the earth covered them up they were lost to the assembly now I think that would have made a powerful point so then all Israel who were around them fled from their cries for they said lest the earth swallow us up, swallow us up too a fire came forth from Yahweh and consumed the 250 men who had offered up the incense. Now, a memorial is made to this event. It's, it's the, the memorial of, of the censer here uh, after the event. Yahweh, but now let me say this. My version is from the Hebrew Bible. I think yours is the next verse and you're still in one chapter, but in the Hebrew Bible, I've gone to the next chapter. Uh, that having been said, it's still the same stuff. It reads the same. Okay. Yahweh spoke to Moses saying, Say to Eliezer, the son of Aaron, the priest, that he should pick up the censers from the burned area, but throw the fire away because they have become sanctified. The censers of these who sinned at the cost of their lives and they shall make them into flattened out plates as an overlay for the altar, for they have brought them before Yahweh and have therefore become sanctified, and they shall be as a reminder for the sons of Israel. Even though they were rebellious, they still brought these censers to the presence of Yahweh. And Yahweh at this point says, since they've done this, I'm going to declare that those censers are sanctified and we're going to beat them out into something else and they shall be a reminder for the sons of Israel. So Eliezer the priest took the copper censers which the fire victims had brought and they hammered them out as an overlay for the altar as a reminder for the sons of Israel so that no outsider who is not of the seed of Aaron shall approach to burn incense before Yahweh so as not to be like Korah and his company as Yahweh spoke regarding him through the hand of Moses. Now because they brought this incense and they, 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 they sort of arrogated themselves to a priest-like position. Well, of course that's wrong. So therefore, in this memorial... It serves as a reminder that if you're not of the seed of Aaron, you can't do this. You can't just, you can't just become a priest. Uh, and so this would serve as a reminder to the people that God has separated his priesthood to himself and that's already been determined. Then a plague comes. The following day, the entire congregation of all Israel complained against Moses and Aaron saying you have killed the people of Yahweh. <laughs> what, what can you say? <laughs> I don't know. If I was Moses, I could have fun with this, you know. Are you standing on a rock or are you standing just on dirt, you know? Uh, be careful. That looks like shaky ground. It looks like it might split open. I, of course, Moses didn't do that. They accused Moses of killing the people of Yahweh. Now, who killed those people? Yahweh killed them. 
Yahweh gave the command. Yahweh gave the warning. Yahweh told them that they were told to step back through Moses. If, if they really believed that, why didn't they just stand there where they were and not back up away from those rebels? It came to pass while the congregation were assembled against Moses and Aaron that they turned to the tent of meeting and behold, the cloud had covered it and the glory of Yahweh appeared. Moses and Aaron came to the front of the tent of meeting. Yahweh spoke to Moses saying, stand aside from this congregation. I'm going to consume them in an instant. Moses and Aaron fell on their faces. Moses said to Aaron, take the censer and put fire from the altar top into it and put incense. This would be a, a serious approach, a, a serious prayer to beseech Yahweh. Then take it quickly to the congregation and atone for them. For wrath has gone forth from Yahweh and the plague has begun. Aaron took it just as Moses had said. And he ran into the midst of the assembly and behold, the plague had begun among the people. He placed the incense on it and atoned for the people. He stood between the dead and the living. The plague ceased. The number of dead in the plague was 14,700 people besides those who died because of the matter of Korah. Aaron returned to Moses at the entrance of the tent of meeting and the plague was checked. But for God's appointed high priest, the rest of the two million people would have died. The one against whom they had complained, and the one, one of the ones, Aaron, against whom they had murmured, is the one who took the instruction from Moses, who said, Quickly atone for these people. Take the censer, take, take the fire from where it is and atone for these people. And when he did, the plague stopped. 14,700 died before Aaron could complete his work of atonement. For the people. Aaron returned to Moses, the entrance of the tent of meeting, and the plague was checked. So now the leadership of Moses and Aaron proven again, and now Aaron's staff budded. Yahweh spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the sons of Israel and take from them a staff for each father's house from all the chieftains according to their father's houses. A total of 12 staves or staffs and inscribe each man's name on his staff. Inscribe Aaron's name on the staff of Levi for there is only one staff for the head of their father's house. And you shall place the staffs in the tent of meeting before the ark of the testimony where I commune uh, with you. The staff of the man whom I will choose will blossom. Now, he's already shown the people that Moses, of course, is his called leader. And I will calm down, turning away from myself, the complaints of the sons of Israel, which they are complaining against you. 
Moses spoke to the sons of Israel, and all their chieftains gave uh, him a staff for each chief, chieftain according to their father's houses, a total of 12 staffs. Aaron's staff was amidst their staffs. Names on the staffs. Moses placed the staffs before Yahweh in the tent of the testimony. And on the following day, Moses came to the tent of testimony. Behold, Aaron's staff for the house of Levi had blossomed. It gave forth blossoms, sprouted buds, and produced ripe almonds. Moses took out all the staffs from before Yahweh to the sons of Israel. They saw and they took each man his staff. Yahweh said to Moses, put Aaron's staff back in front of the testimony as a keepsake and a sign for the rebellious ones and turn their complaints against me. Uh, then their complaints against me will end and they will not die. Moses did so. He did just as Yahweh had commanded him. The sons of Israel spoke to Moses saying, behold, we are dying. We will perish. <laughs> we are all lost. Whoever comes to the closest of the Mishkim of Yahweh dies. And have we been consigned to die? I think that's the end of what I'm going to do tonight. Shall we all utterly die? Well, that was a proper question for them, wasn't it? So what has Yahweh done? He has dealt directly and powerfully with the second argument regarding authority among the people of Israel. The first one that was dealt with, we saw last time, it had to do with the Word of God, the authority of the Word of God. And now, the authority of Yahweh's appointed servants, dramatically and powerfully, God revealed to the people that Moses was his servant. And then in the matter of the staffs, powerfully spoke to the people showing them that the tribe of Levi who had started a lot of this trouble were under the direction of Aaron and Aaron also had his peculiar and particular position of leadership assigned to him by Yahweh, which was in the priesthood. So leadership in Moses' case and worship leader in Aaron's case, the, the, the two powerful parts that made up the very nation of Israel in that day. And at that point, there shouldn't be any more murmuring. Stand by, there will be. You know, you, you think to yourself, how can these people be so foolish? <laughs> how, how can God do what he's done and yet still they would complain against God. They would direct their murmuring against Moses mostly. But Yahweh shows them and reveals to them that if they direct their murmuring against Moses, essentially they're murmuring against Yahweh. And so at least to this point, the people understand who their leader is to take them to where they're promised to go They've been promised to go. And the leader of their worship, all of the other Levites are going to have to be under his 
leadership under Aaron's, they don't have the right at all anymore to do anything outside of the authority of Aaron. Well, we'll stop this uh, part and uh, pray and be dismissed for tonight. Lord, we, we marvel at how you can love even the unlovable and forgive those who seem to be so unforgivable. And we thank you for how you have established leadership and you stand by your called leadership as only you can do. Lord, thank you for preserving these people even when they didn't deserve it that you would then through them in the course of time bring into this world Christ, our Savior. In his name we pray, amen.